I'm Tinotenda Charles Rutanira, and this is the podcast on the shoulders of giants, where we get to chat with incredibly inspiring people who have broken the status quo or faced down adversity or taken the road less traveled and positively impacted the lives of other people. We get to hear their stories and gain knowledge and insights into how their professional and personal lives mix every day to create lessons and insights for others to follow. Because the only way to really grow is by building on previous discoveries. And only then can we truly see further by standing on the shoulders of giants. The greatest gift a parent can give their child is unconditional love. And I know from the moment I laid eyes on my daughter, I fell in love. Instantaneously. I cannot imagine ever not being in love with this little knucklehead of mine. Yes, she's driven me to drink sometimes, or infuriated me with her sass, and made me want to tear my hair out with the way she easily loses stuff. But would I put a condition on my love for her? No, never. I love her without reservation. From the moment she was born, I have done everything to help this little girl fit into the world. From painting her room the shades of pink and purple she wanted, to buying the prettiest dresses, and sparing no expense buying those pricey American girl dolls. I've thrown princess-themed birthday parties, and Santa has delivered a collection of presents a girl could wish for. It was, and has been, quite easy for me, because my daughter, her genitals, and her gender identity all match. But what would have happened if what is between my child's legs did not match what is between her ears? What would have happened if she had insisted she was born in the wrong body? Would I have loved her any less? Would I have insisted that it's a phase and hope it all blows over? Would I have gone with it, but in private lived in denial? Or would I have sunk thousands of dollars into reparative therapy until she conformed back to the gender that was on her birth certificate? Really, if you sit down and think about it, what would you do? Most transgender children live in the shadows, viewed as freaks of nature, rejected by families. Many grow up hating their bodies, falling victim to high rates of drug abuse, violence, depression, and suicide. Rebecca Roos and Timna Dalma are two parents of two children who have taken a drastically different course allowing their children to live as the gender they identify with in order to save them from a future of heartache and pain. Please open your hearts and your minds as we hear the extraordinary and intimate struggle of these two families that are rewriting the definition of normal family life. Rebecca and Timna, welcome to the On the Shoulders of Giants podcast. Thank you so much. So I'll start with you, Rebecca. Uh, Can you tell me about your life, where you grew up, and what childhood influences led you to who you are today? Mm, Wow, that's a lot to unpack. Um, (laughs) I'm an only child with my mom and dad, and we spent a few years uh, growing up overseas in Saudi Arabia, which allowed uh, me to experience um, a bunch of cultures through travel. So that was really great for me to get exposed to that at a young age. Um, And then my parents got divorced when I was 11 and my mom and I moved 
to California where I grew up in Northern California. And my mother, as a single mom, um, did not finish her college career because she was pregnant with me. Um, so she went back to school, which was really inspiring for me uh, to see someone work so hard, um, you know, to do all these things. Um, and so my mom's been a, a, an inspiration to me. And then I got married and my husband and I moved to Vermont um, from Seattle when we wanted to have kids and be closer to um, our family and my dad. And what about you, Timna? So my background is a lot more vanilla than than Rebecca's. <laughs> um, um, I was born in New Hampshire, um, where I lived with my parents and my my brother and sister until I was about eight. And then my family moved to Vermont. And my dad taught um, continuing education at Champlain College. So he was teaching computer skills to business people in the area. And my mom was a kindergarten and first grade teacher. I lived in South Burlington until I went away to college. And then I studied in Spain for six months. And then I came back to South Burlington and worked with my dad for a very long time at a little computer company that he had. And then I got married and stayed in the area. And that pretty much is that. Cool. Um, so, Tumno, can you just tell me a little bit about uh, your family then and uh, how you then birthed uh, your children? Sure. So, I met my husband. Um, ballroom dancing of all things and we got married we were pregnant once and we actually had a later term miscarriage and then I got pregnant with Perrin and had a fairly complicated pregnancy so it was pretty much just every day just hoping I just want a happy I want a happy healthy baby just happy, healthy baby is the outcome that it doesn't matter anything else. I just want to make it through this. And so Perrin was born a little bit early and was just absolutely beautiful. And then a few years later, about two years later, we had our second child, our, our little Oren. My pregnancy with him, with him was even more complicated than my pregnancy with Perrin. Um, my husband is a big believer in you don't find out if you're having a boy or a girl beforehand because that's cheating. You got to wait for the surprise at the end. <laughs> so we we waited. We didn't know if we were having boys or girls until the moment they both arrived. So. And so then uh, parents started growing up and there were telltale signs that uh, made you suspect that he was different. Yeah. So Perrin was, was born male. When Perrin got to be maybe five years old, she really started to say, I want to grow my hair out long like yours, mommy. I want it to be long and beautiful. And she'd shake her head like she could imagine herself with long flowing locks of golden hair. And then um, we figured, okay, it's, just hair we can always cut it later so we started buying headbands to keep it out of our face and some barrettes here and there 
and then it became, well, I really want to dress like all the girls at school wear dresses and they look so fun and so pretty and I want more pink things, you know, oh, that's so pretty. I want things that are sparkly and then we wanted the pink backpack for school and at first my husband and I were, we weren't confused. We were just, well, we don't want Perrin to be picked on. We don't want him to be picked on when he goes to school. And we were a little bit hesitant with the first backpack, the first pink frilly backpack. But we decided it's only a color and it's our job as parents' parents to say, this is just a color. Why do we have to assign a gender or a stereotype to pink? Why can't it just be pink? Like, why can't blue just be blue and yellow be yellow? And so we bought that first pink backpack and Perrin was over the moon that year going to school with her matching backpack and lunchbox. And her teachers were fantastic about using that as a discussion point in second grade for color just being color. And some girls like cars and some boys like dolls. And that's okay because everybody has to like something different. That's what makes us special and unique and adds character to our classroom and to our society. So from there, Perrin just continued to show us that she really wanted to express herself differently. And we started allowing her to buy the clothes that she really wanted. And then it became time to start third grade and fourth grade. And it was, okay, what do you want to wear? And working through that as a family, figuring out what are we okay with and what do we then need to provide her with so she can be comfortable because we don't want her to feel like she's inhibited with being able to do everything she wants in gym class or play on the playground because her clothes are restrictive or show her underpants or whatever. At the time, she was a boy. Were you you buying dresses at this point or were you just uh, trying to find sort of boy clothes that were a little more girl-like? We started buying girl clothes. So at at first it was just t-shirts and it was an occasional dress or skirt that we would wear at home. And then it was time to buy school clothes and we really wanted the pretty dresses. We wanted the, you know, the, the cute skirts. We wanted the capri pants, the leggings, the whole nine yards. So when was the first time you mentally or emotionally acknowledged that something was different? For me, it was really second grade when she was in second grade. And she really wanted that pink backpack that this, in my heart, I knew this was going to be more than just wanting a pink backpack. And that the pink backpack was my, my test to see, can I, can I do this? Can I champion this? Because I'm going to need to. I see more in our future than just this pink backpack. My husband and I, we had a lot of talks about it, and we decided that we really needed to take our cues from Perrin and move at the pace that she wanted to move at. 
and not try and push what we wanted, what we expected, because we could tell already that that just wasn't going to work, that we couldn't force her to have a different color backpack. We couldn't force her to not want to express herself in the way she wanted to, the way that felt right in her heart. And so we decided we needed to just take it day by day and take our cues from her and hold on and just go where the journey took us. Now, Rebecca, before you tell us your story, I'd like you to give me and my listeners a bit of a definition of what it means to be gender neutral and also what it means to be a demiboy. Sure. Um, so my kid first identified as a gender neutral, which is you think of um, a gender and, and actually sexuality as well as on a, on a spectrum, as on a, on a line. And on one end, um, you can have female and at the other end, you have male and gender neutral is kind of in between. So not really female, not really male. So kind of in between. Um, and Ash identifies as a demi boy. So it's um, feeling more masculine um, opposed to their gender um, assigned to them at birth. I see. So your daughter, uh, Sylvie, at least the way that I knew her was a girl. What happened and when did this transformation happen? Yeah, it's, it's really funny listening to Timna's story too. Like, we did not find out the, the sex of our firstborn. Um, we wanted that surprise at the hospital. I was hoping for a girl because that's just kind of what I knew um, <laughs> uh, because I am one. And um, I was excited because when you think about what you're having, you know, like just all of your kind of dreams and thoughts about your child growing up is really rooted in their, their gender. So you kind of think, okay, so, you know, we're, we're having, we're going to, we have this girl, um, I'm going to get to, you know, brush her hair um, and we're going to be able to dress her in adorable things. And one day she will get married and, you know, my husband and I um, do wedding photography. So every time at the, you know, father daughter dance, my husband gets a little teary eyed thinking, okay, this is our future. I can see myself in this picture. Um, but, you know, surprise, um, <laughs> um, kids tend to be their own people. Um, and that is, was such a surprise to me because you think that you can shape and mold people and you can to a certain extent, but, you know, you think about your relationship with your own parents and that how different you are from your siblings or your parents. And that really took me a while to kind of grasp that, yeah, my kids are their own people, no matter how I try and influence them. So with uh, Ash coming out, it's been about a year and a half and first coming out as pansexual. It's different from bisexuality because bisexuality is still just putting genders in a box. I like women. Um, or I like men. And Pan is like, I like the person and I don't care what their bits are. Um, so that was really eye-opening to me, but not surprising um, because I thought Ash was, um, was a lesbian um, just because of some of the traits that they had um, growing up. It was kind of a fight to make him wear a dress. Um, so 
uh, and the pronouns that Ash uses are they, them, or he, him. So, okay. um, and my kids always wore pajamas a lot. And I just thought it was kind of more of like being comfortable and cozy. So that just, that, that wasn't a clue to me. Hey, I but like also, wearing pajamas, Ash, by the way. Who doesn't wear pajamas, right pajamas all day? Like, I'm in my pajamas right now. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, I mean, like, that's just, and that's just who Ash, Ash was, you know, just, just wear, being comfortable. Um, sometimes wearing their brother's clothes, um, their younger brother's clothes. So that was, a, you know, just those little clues. Uh, and Ash's best friend has been a boy since preschool. And I always admired that because Ash always felt comfortable being who they were. But I just thought that, you know, Ash was just their own person. Um, but then as I'm looking back, I'm like, okay, now it kind of makes sense. So then Ash uh, told us, you know, that they felt gender fluid which is another um, kind of under the umbrella of um, non-binary. So gender fluid means sometimes you feel more feminine, sometimes more masculine. Then Ash felt more gender um, non-binary, meaning not really either, and now is more like a demi-boy. So um, that's, and it's still kind of, it's, it's kind of tough because I am, and most people still kind of think of gender in a box, like, you're either uh, a boy or a girl. And so it's just been a lot of learning and a lot of exploring. And um, Ash has been really great um, pulling us through and teaching us. And um, I'm just really proud. And I think, I think my kid's pretty remarkable. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I've known you for a good 10 years uh, or more. And so when I first learned that, the person that I knew as Sylvie was now gender neutral and had changed her name. My initial reaction was surprise, uh, then denial, then panic <laughs> uh, for feeling the way I did, and then a desire to try to help kicked in, which is all kind of stupid because I'm pretty sure that you guys had things pretty much under control. Is this a typical reaction of people when they hear about her story, about their story? I, I think so. I think it's like, whoa, that's crazy. Um, who knew? Um, and I think that that's one of the things that I like talking about Ash's story. And and I and I ask Ash, you know, like, can we talk about this? You know, like, does this does this is this okay? Because it's really their story. But as as a parent, I want to talk about. Um, trans kids and trans adults because the more I talk about it the more that other people go yes I have that experience too and the more um, that we can share our experiences the more that people go okay that that is normal that that is a thing and the more that we can talk about it and the more that kids know and adults know um, that they're not alone then the less um, chance of having that, that community support and that peer connection um, and that inclusive curriculum at school and that inclusive language, um, then the rates of suicide go down. Um, the rates of um, bullying go down. And that's the thing that, as a parent, I want. Do you not think that it's a phase that kids are going through? And, you know, even I think I painted my nails with my sister's nail polish at some point in my life. And, you know, I remember my daughter... I had to convince her that she could go to bed without her blankie, and eventually she grew out of it. 
how do we not know that this is just a phase that uh, our children are going through? Yeah, that's an excellent question, and it's something that that we asked ourselves, and that our families, you know, our extended family asked us too. Like, well, maybe maybe this is just a phase because kids, when they're growing up, you know, they're always testing. They're testing themselves in so many different ways. You know, mm-hmm. you got to test yourself to learn how to crawl and to walk and to talk, and then to experiment with, you know, playing sports and playing instruments and dancing and all of those things, but they also test themselves in smaller ways, you know, to push the boundaries of, well, what can I get away with in my house? You know, what can I, can I, can I stay up five extra minutes if I say X, Y, Z, or, you know, can I get an extra dessert if I do this other thing? And at first we did ask ourselves, well, is this just a phase? Is this, you know, going to change later on? And really living the experience we realized that no it just it wasn't we could tell that every time Perrin did something that was more what we would consider feminine or female the more she glowed the more her eyes sparkled the more bubbly she was and don't get me wrong she was super bubbly before she was just always bouncing. She's kind of like a tigger in that way. She's just always <laughs> bouncing and happy and seeing the positive in everything. And we just saw that grow and grow every time that she expressed herself more and changed a little bit more to have the outside look more like the inside felt. And we could we could just see that it wasn't a phase. It wasn't just something she was trying on. It really was her growing into be the person that she really needed to be, that she really was inside. But how did you not know maybe that Perrin was just maybe a gay boy or a effeminate boy? Right. Um, I guess it was just being there every day and seeing the way she changed kind of told me that it was more than just being an effeminate boy, that it was more than just wanting to be fancy and be more elegant, that it was something really in her, in, in her heart and in her soul that was different than we had originally thought. But when I think about it though, when uh, these are just kids, uh, what do they know really at the end of the day? You know, uh, I think of that, the fact that um, Ash was, pan and then gender neutral and then a demi boy are we not guilty of being overindulgent because i mean one day you know they like pulled pork tomorrow they want to be vegetarian <laughs> and then next week they think boys stink and then the following week they are out dating boys at the mall right right yeah i mean that's that's a that's a fair point you know and i think that 
once you go through it, um, you really, you, it's really to kind of say like, oh, this is, it's easy to say that this is a phase, but I think if you look at your own self and go, well, how do you know that you're straight, for instance? Like, like how do you know that you are a boy? You, you just know, you know, like, I mean, like, how do I know that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a woman? or girl, you know, like growing up, I just knew that that was just something that I just knew. And for our kids, it's just something that they know, or they finally have the language now to express themselves. So because, especially for Ash, having that language to say, I don't, I'm not feminine or masculine. I just am kind of in the middle, like having that language to say, finally, I, I get this and there's other people out there like me and I found my people and to be supported like that is, is pretty incredible. And who knows where this journey is going to lead us, but I know my child and, you know, as Tim was saying, you know, when parents sparkle, you know, like that's when I see my kid um, feel good when they're with their people and people that get him, um, and outright Vermont has been such a great resource for us. They do Friday night groups for queer kids, those are, you know, um, gay and trans kids, um, teens to hang out and be and just talk about nerdy stuff that has nothing to do with gender identity or sexuality, or sometimes it does, but just to not explain and just to be with people that get it is such a relief because it can just be so tiresome you know, for um, our trans kids, especially to think about, okay, there's not a gender neutral bathroom. Which, which bathroom do I choose? You know, which bathroom am I going to be able to go in and not get looks or be told that I can't go in there? You know, just that is so compelling and so exhausting when also you have to deal with all these things that are in middle school and eventually high school. On top of that, when you're thinking about crossing your legs because you have to pee and there's not a, a bathroom that you can go into. Um, mm -hmm. So just supporting my kid where they are and knowing who they are, I'm super confident in that. That's a great segue into some of the challenges that um, you guys experience as uh, parents of, of these trans kids and also the children themselves. You know, the, the North Carolina bathroom bill, for instance, brought to light the issue that has been very much behind the scenes and now is right into sharp focus. Where do your kids go to the bathroom? Where did they go before and where did they go now? So that's actually a great, a great point, because right around the time that that was happening was when parent was transitioning at school. Um, so... Parents started school as a boy, and then in fifth grade, before school started, we sat down and we talked about what do you, what do you want to do at school, because it just happened that the school that parent attends in fourth grade, she had a bathroom right in her classroom, so there wasn't a question. It was a gender-neutral bathroom right there in her class. In fifth grade, though, she didn't have a bathroom in her classroom anymore. So she was going to have to leave the classroom and pick a girl's bathroom or a boy's bathroom. And so we sat down and we had a conversation with her and said, what, what do you think you should do? What, do you, what 
feels most comfortable for you because that's what we want. We want whatever is comfortable for you. Oh, well, she says, I don't know. I, I think I should just use whichever bathroom is what I look like that day. And I said to her, sweetheart, let's, let's think about this for a second. Let's think about the clothes that you have and the way that you like to wear your hair. Cause at this point her hair was longer than mine, like down the middle of her back. And are there times when you look like a boy where if someone were to look at you, they would think, oh, that's a little boy. Or are they going to look at you and think that's a little girl? Oh, you're right. I don't think I ever look like a little boy anymore. You're right. I should just, I think I should use the girl's bathroom. Yeah, that's, that's what feels right to me. And you know what, mommy? I think I should really, I should really just be a girl at school like all the time now. Yeah, I should be a girl at school all the time and use the girl's bathroom and just everyone should know me as a girl. And that was it. That was, that was how our transition at school happened. For her, it was just that easy. It was a, a five minute conversation of finally her stopping her bouncing and jumping and giggling long enough to say, oh wait, yeah, no, I, I really, I should have thought about this before. No, I, that's what I want. Yes, let's do that. Okay, I'm off. Um, away I go, skipping off across the, the room to go play with my Legos. And that was when my husband and I went to the school and said, all right, this is the deal. This is what is happening. And they're like, great, fantastic. What do you need from us? How can we help? So they were very, very supportive and um, really were on board with helping us make whatever kind of transition we needed to. And that was, so in fifth grade, that was the year that parents started going to school as a girl. And for Ash? Yeah, so the the bathroom thing is just one tiny example. And I think it's such a silly example. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when people debate, it's like, good Lord, I don't know what people are doing in the bathroom, but hopefully, you know, they're doing their business and washing their hands. You know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. So, but I mean, it has a big effect. Um, I'm going to go dark and then I'll go light. Um, just um, that when people are not permitted to use the restrooms consistent with their gender identity, then they're associated with a greater lifetime risk of suicide attempts. And just, and that's just, you know, that's one small example, but it has a big impact, you know, and um, I, I don't want that for my kid. I don't want that for any kid. I don't want that for any adult. So just knowing um, by making this small tweak, and letting people use the bathroom that they want to use that is affirming for their gender I, gender identity is huge. You know, um, I live in a bubble called Chittenden County. Um, our, our schools have been um, really great. Um, and they say, Ash can use whatever bathroom they want. Um, at school, Ash uses the, um, the all-gender bathroom. Uh, it's just usually like a one-bathroom um, door and you can go in and Ash also uses that for um, changing for gym and things like that 
But as an example, last night we were coming back from um, Burlington and Ash wanted to use the bathroom and asked if we could stop um, at the rest stop in Williston. And then uh, he decided, oh, never mind. They don't have a gender neutral bathroom, so I'll just wait. <laughs> and I thought that's that's fine to you to you know for Ash to feel comfortable, but I mean like to wait to use a bathroom, you know, like sometimes that can have an effect. And you think about kids that don't have the option to to wait, you know, and then you have medical issues of like holding it in and getting bladder infections and things like that. So um, although it's just a bathroom is just one sliver of like a, a peek into what a transgender person has to think about all the time on top of the life stuff um, is what you can, you know, and compound that. Um, it's just, it's just a little um, preview of what, what a kid's life is like when they have to be thinking about this all the time. So on that, um, if you were to walk with, well, maybe you're not, but your husband is walking with Ash into a, male bathroom and there's men in there, you know, grown men, uh, is there not some sort of moral, uh, I don't know what the right word is, where Ash, even though she identifies as a boy, ha- is... You gotta use, wait, effect. Charles, you got to use he. You can't use, you can't use she. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, you, I tell our therapist, told us with our family that you get a year to get the to get the pronouns right so you don't have a year yet so oh good (laughs) (laughs) yes but i think also part of the value i'm getting in this interview and just having done the research i've done is it does allow and open up things that you probably hadn't thought through and also just demystifies a lot of stuff. And I think part of the benefit of that is that if people are open to the mistakes that people make and are fine with them and that they're meant in a good way and not in a way to, to, to make harm, then I think that's part of the, the whole process of, of, of educating people and trying to get them to understand some of the challenges that are in the LGBTQ plus community. Absolutely. And I think that you you said that so eloquently, Charles. And Ash always says, you know, if people are coming at it from a place of of good and and love, um, then Ash is always open to answering questions, you know, and um and you can say things like, I just want to know how I should address you, like what pronouns should I use? Um, how can I make, you know, how can I say this so I don't offend you? And I think that that's beautiful. And I think that that's, that's perfect, you know, because, um, you can't assume someone's gender or pronouns. You know, I I was talking before about your, your, um, gender, um, identity and your gender expression. So if someone looks super masculine, you might, and they might have a beard, but they might use she, her pronouns. So um, that's something that kind of blows me away. You know, like even though someone presents super masculine, they might say, no, um, please use she, her pronouns. Um, so it's always great to kind of ask and not assume. Um, and it's part of my education is in my um, email signature. I just say my pronouns, you know, she, her, hers. 
Um, and that sometimes will start a conversation. And I'm oh, super open to that. Karen always says that questions are inevitable. And I kind of take it on, I take that to heart whenever she says that, that, yeah, they are. And it's kind of our job as parents of these fantastic kids to be there to answer, to help answer those questions for people who maybe are not comfortable asking our kiddos questions, but maybe are more comfortable coming to us too, so that we're there to advocate and to help educate as well. Absolutely. So it sounds like the the schools are on board. You guys are on board. Possibly their peers are on board. What about um, the parents of of uh, these kids that are in the schools um, and also other extended members of your family? Um, so parents' peers have been phenomenal. They've been, they just know her as Perrin and they like her and want to hang out with her because she's Perrin and the rest of it, they're kind of like, okay, yeah, all right. So you're going to school as a girl this year. Okay. Great. Fantastic. All right. Are we going to go ride our bikes? Are we going to go play? Are we going to go giggle about this book that we both read? You know, for them, it's very simple because it's just about the person that they want to spend time with, which has been phenomenal. Um, From a family standpoint, you know, it's definitely been a transition that we have been working on from like within our own household, we're all pretty much on board. You know, every once in a while, somebody still slips up with the wrong pronoun or will be telling a story about the past. And, you know, you got to stop and think, which, which pronoun should I use? Because I'm telling a story from when Perrin was one or two. You know, do I change all my historic pronouns too? And, you know, we're still trying to work through some of those things mentally. Extended yeah, family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Extended family, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins. Um, we're trying to do the whole one year thing. We're a little past that with many of them, but we don't see them all as often. So we're trying to, you know, be a little bit understanding, but reminding them, nope, it's she, her pronouns now. Um, For the most part, our entire family, though, has been very accepting, understanding, very willing to to learn. And um, some of them were not very surprised when we told them about the pronoun change. They they said, that's the least surprising news that I've heard today. So, (laughs) you know, we're we're good. So, um, but it's definitely been a transition for everybody. Hmm. And what about Ash? What has her experience been? Um, his experience. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! You think I'm the It's now? okay. No, uh, it's like I said, it's okay, and that's you know part of um, education is just um, uh, you know correcting and moving on. By the end um, of the podcast, I promise I'll get it right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's it's funny because sometimes Ash um, doesn't always, you know, correct people. I think it, sometimes it gets, it depends on the situation. But 
he has his posse at school that'll sometimes say, don't you mean him? Or, you know, if someone uses a long pronoun Mm -hmm. and also um, Ash's birth name, um, uh, they, the trans community calls their birth, you know, if they've changed their name, their dead name. So if someone dead names Ash, then their (laughs) friends will correct them. Um, So I think it's great, you know, so the, the community support, you know, here is, has been, has been great being trans as part of Ash's identity um, just to kind of speak, you know, to what Timina was saying is, you know, it's this new generation of kids that are not trying to like hide who they are. You know, this is part of who they are and that they're proud of it um, and that they have conversations where I think in generations before people just, and this is probably true of, of some trans kids too, is that they just want to pass and they don't want to talk about, you know, um, them being trans. But it's because these kids have the support and they do feel comfortable who they are that um, that they can be themselves and they can express themselves and talk about this. And this is um, so cool to see our kids be part of this whole gender revolution that that we're seeing and being a part of this and um, breaking through these barriers, um, which makes me just so thrilled for for Ash. Um, you know, he asked, well, hey, when we, I said, how do you want to talk to our family and tell our family? And he's like, well, can you just text everyone? <laughs> you know, <laughs> such a millennial. <laughs> I know. I'm like, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, probably not. You know, so, you know, so we, we, uh, you know, made, made some phone calls and then not everyone that, um, I connected with, we just made a, um, a holiday card. Um, and we sent out a holiday card, um, that just said, you know, who Ash, who Ash is and what that means. We feel great about that. Haven't gotten a backlash, even with some old school relatives that we thought might not be that understanding or accepting. Um, so that, you know, we were really surprised in a good way. And then, uh, parents of um, Ash's friends and even, you know, acquaintances because we lived in this town um, since Ash was born. So Ash has grown up with all these kids and all these parents and um, parent, you know, so, so a parent will come up to me and think that I'm so such a great parent, <laughs> which is like, because I love my child and, you know, and let them be who they are. So that just kind of cracks me up because I'm still, a a crappy parent I still yell I still get frustrated um but I mean I think this is what any parent would do is love their kid unconditionally Mm, absolutely exactly so so I think for parents it's gonna be fairly straightforward sort of looking into her future um you know she's gonna have to undergo physical transformation etc but for Ash, uh, what does the future look like as far as physical transformation? Yeah, it's, you know, it's so interesting um, because, you know, Ash is, you know, in this space that's definitely not female, but a little more male. So, you know, what does that look like, you know, for for them? Um, right now, Ash is on um, hormone blockers, which means um, kind of pauses puberty right where they are. 
Um, and um, there's a couple ways to do that where you can get um, hormone shots every three months or you can get an implant kind of like in your arm. Like I'm not sure if you've seen like those birth control implants that, you know, last for a few years. So that's what Ash got instead of having to schlep the kid to the doctor's office and getting shots, which, you know, they hate. Um, we did the, the surgery, which is fantastic because it's super helpful um, as, as a pause button. And then eventually Ash needs to go through puberty. So that will happen later down the road. And with puberty, you can either go through puberty as a woman or you can take testosterone and go through puberty as a man. So I feel really lucky that we had this option to have this hormone blocker because for Ash, you know, to stop developing as a woman, you know, where your fatty deposits, you know, go more to your hips, et cetera, that Ash can look more like a man, um, which he'll probably take testosterone. So it'll be easier for, for him to, um, to, to have some more masculine features. And uh, Timna, what about things like medication, surgeries, the hormone stuff that uh, Rebecca talked about? Is that covered by insurance? And how's that all working out uh, with access to doctors, etc.? So whether it's covered by insurance really depends on your insurance, honestly. Um, there are some insurance plans out there that are a lot better for coverage of those things. So some will cover the shots, but they won't cover the implant. And some will cover it like it's any other medication, but you don't get anything beyond that. Some won't really cover much of anything. Um, so it's definitely something we're trying to navigate and figure out because for Perrin right now, she has not showed any signs of starting puberty because they they can't start taking puberty blockers or doing um, the hormone blockers until they actually start puberty. So right now we're kind of in a holding pattern. It's been difficult to navigate the insurance landscape and try and figure out exactly what's going to be covered, what, at what percent, in what way, and all of that. So it's definitely been a little bit stressful as we wait to to now block puberty and then in a few years we would then do hormone replacement so that parent could develop more feminine qualities with you know curvier hips and breasts and go through an, another growth spurt or whatever the case may be to bring it to something that other people might understand a little bit more um, people go to the gym because they want to enhance certain aspects of their body. You know, they want to they want to work out more, so their their arms look more toned, or so they lose, you know, some love handles or whatever. And think about how we do that voluntarily because we want to, and we want to change the way we look so that we are happier. You know, hormone replacement and gender affirming hormones are something that we can do that our kiddos need so that they can be happy and think about what we do on a daily basis to be happier in our own bodies. This is something that we help our kids do so that they can be happier in their bodies. I like that. That's a very different way and unique way of looking at it. I hadn't thought about it that way. 
So I've got two questions that I want to just wrap up here with here. Um, I'll start with uh, you, Rebecca. Do you miss Sylvie? Uh, no, because uh, he's right here with me. Um, Ash has always been their own person, you know, like, and I always appreciated that. Like the, the story that I tell him ever since he was little was like, we didn't know if we were going to get a boy or a girl, but I was so glad that I got you. And that's still how I feel today. Like Ash is such an amazing person and they're so funny and they're so talented and they're so strong and resilient and kind. And that's the kind of kid that I've always wanted. And that's who they are. You know, looking in the rear view mirror, you know, learning that Ash was trans, there were some things that I would think about just as examples that I told you before, you know, like the father daughter dance at a wedding thinking, you know, like, what if Ash never got married or eloped? You know, like, these are some things, um, <laughs> you know, that, uh, that, that I can't plan for, for my, my kids' um, future. You know, I, I just supporting them and removing any obstacles that I can. And I'm, I'm just over the moon proud. And Timur, do you miss your son? I'm, I'm reminded of when I was pregnant with her that I just wanted a happy, healthy baby. Like it was so hard to get her here. When she was born, she was our rainbow baby. And I didn't Mm. realize until later on how much of a rainbow she was going to be in our life. (laughs) And, And that she really, she has brought us so much joy. And so I'm just so proud of her every day for being able to share her sparkle with us that I just continue to just want her to be a happy, healthy person. And whatever form and journey that takes us on is the one that is exactly where I want to be. I love it. And so if people want to learn more about the LBGTQ plus movement and the pride movement and the transgender community, how would they go about doing that? I would say in Vermont, I would not be where I am today without the, and and Ash as well, without the Outright um, Center in Vermont. And they are an amazing organization. They work with youth. Um, and they work with schools, so they will come in and do education training at the schools. Um, they will do, um, they're part of, you know, legislation. Um, they're part of support for parents. You know, there's a, there's a once a month group for, um, the name is Transparent, which always makes me giggle because I think of yeah. the Netflix show. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's, you know, I've met the most wonderful people there that I never would have crossed paths with if our children weren't trans. And just having that support group, you know, no matter where you are, if you're starting on your journey or different um, different places, you know, um, talking about experience of how they dealt with the schools or their or their relatives. Um, and it's just, it's so, it's so wonderful. So I can't say enough about Outright Vermont. So Outright deals with kind of, folks under the age of 20 or 21. And then in the Vermont area, there's um, the Pride Center of Vermont for 
young adults and older adults, um, and they are also an amazing place for education and advocacy and, you know, celebrating all of the stuff that makes us awesome as a community. Wonderful. So in closing, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask all of my guests. Um, I'll start with you, Timna. If you could travel back in time and have a conversation with a younger version of yourself, what words of wisdom would you say to yourself? Oh my gosh. Um, I would probably tell myself that it's going to be an amazing ride and to try and remember to cherish every moment of it and to take the time to take care of yourself and take care of the people around you and know that you can do it, that it's going to be bumpy and stuff will happen that you aren't expecting, but it'll be okay. You can do it. Hmm. And Rebecca? Um, I'm glad Tina did that first. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think, you know, it's, it's my, 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 uh, younger self and now too, I'm just always trying to be in the moment, you know, and just try, trying to be right where I am and be present for myself and my family and my friends. But the other thing I would say would be to lower your expectations, um, especially <laughs> around children, because, you know, you, you, you put or I put these things on my kids, you know, my husband and I met snowboarding. So obviously our children are going to love and cherish snowboarding as well. And, um, <laughs> but, you know, like they have nothing to do with it. When they were younger, we would just say, okay, we're going to go snow crying because they hated it and they'd cry all the way to the mountain. <laughs> so <laughs> just because you uh, again, it's like having your, letting your children be their own people and letting them find their own footing because they are their own people and they're not little extensions of you. So just because you love something doesn't mean that your children will. I like it a lot. Well, Rebecca and Timla, thank you so much for sharing your stories with me and my audience. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, as parents, we will do anything for our children and to protect them from harm and pain and want them to have the best of everything that we have to offer. Uh, but I cannot imagine what it has taken for you to walk down the path your children have taken. Um, I do, however, want to give special praise to the children that are living this every day, the ash and parents of this world who have the courage to break free and not accept the limitations imposed by the makeup of their genitals or by the beliefs of people around them. Uh, no one can imagine uh, what these children go through every day. But at the end of the day, all they want is to be loved uh, for who they are, not what they are. And after all, no one has a choice about who we arrive as in this world, but we sure as hell have a choice about how we show up in the world. And you guys are making that possible for your children. So 
thank you very much for what you're doing. And uh, maybe one day, 10 years from now, I will be interviewing Ash and Perrin as the giants <laughs> whose shoulders other children are standing on. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Wonderful. And with that, we'll wrap up the show.